Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions, with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So, hello, and welcome to today's show on World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host. Paul John Roach coming to you from a quite cool day in Fort Worth, Texas. It's threatening rain. It's lovely. It's the fall. We welcome that. I also welcome my guest today, Edward Bruce Bynum, uh, to the show. Edward is a clinical psychologist and former director of the Behavioral Medicine Clinic at the University of Massachusetts Health Services. He's a senior fellow in the Society for Psycho, Psychophysiological and Biofeedback, and is a diplomat at the American Psychological Association. He's also the author of numerous articles and several books, including the focus of our discussion today, which is Our African Unconscious, The Black Origins of Mysticism and Psychology. Wow, that's a, that's a title, isn't it? Um, what? Let's see. He is also a winner of the Abraham H. Maslow Award. That's great, amongst others. And he's a student of Kundalini Yoga. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Edward Bruce Bynum, PhD, to today's show. Welcome. Glad what? you're with us. I'm extremely happy to be here because um, uh, I relish the opportunity to talk about the conjunction between uh, deep primordial spirituality and the leading uh, cutting edges of uh, science because they do come together uh, more and more in our age and um, they also spring from the same source. Absolutely, and we're, we're seeing that more and more, aren't we, where, as you mentioned, you know, uh, some of the discoveries of quantum physics, you know, are in- intensely fascinating because they seem to confirm many of the uh, teachings of, of the ancient mystics who, who understood these things from their own uh, intuitive awareness. And now we're we're beginning to scientifically uh, see them ar- arising as well. So that that's exciting for me. Um, Very yeah, there's exciting. been a lot of Very exciting. And the link between um, the you know the mental and the physical has been known for a while too, so that's uh, that's fascinating too. So your book yeah. though focuses well, it focuses in a number of directions, um, but but uh, you're you're at pains to point out that um, you know the origins of much of what we consider the culture and civilization uh, had their origins in Africa, right? And of course we know now. Yeah. Um, that that uh, you know humankind 
originated, you know, in in West in in East Africa, right? And the the yeah. oldest hominids w- w- came from there, um, and yeah. then there was a spread, you know, around the world from that. And I think that's pretty well established. Though we are continuing to, you know, dig up remains, and things can change. But uh, that's that's the received knowledge right now. Right. But you extend, you extend the bones. that. Go ahead. I was saying the preponderance of the bones, the hardcore finding bones, are primarily, you're right, in the East Africa area. They're, they're, they're finding scattered in South Africa, but they tend to be of an earlier type. And, uh, but our species, uh, upright walking Homo sapiens sapiens, our modern form, clearly had its origin in uh, East Africa, and then we spread out across the earth. And we've been, we started about roughly... 200,000 years ago, from the, broke away from the other Homo sapiens and became ourselves Homo sapiens sapiens, thinking man, in our present form. We were not as tall, but we were the same brain size, and we had the same capacities. Yes. And, you know, the interesting thing is, um, in terms of color, not race now, this is different from race, but um, in terms of color, uh, Later studies have shown, haven't they, that um, you know Europeans say about ten thousand, twenty thousand years ago were, were were actually dark skinned. You know, they they had blue eyes, but they they were dark skinned, and and I think that uh, confronts some of the previous knowledge. You know, where people thought That's that um, by that time Europeans were you know p- blonde or whatever, or at least mm-hmm. fair skinned, and yeah, and that no, may that be. Yeah, that's that's not the case. It it, it seems like the you know uh, our species, Homo sapiens sapiens, which got its kickstart maybe about a little more than two hundred thousand years ago or so, and we didn't start having so-called racial uh, diversification, ethnic diversification, until about twenty-five thousand to thirty thousand years ago. That's when it began. But you're right. You're right. Uh, the early inhabitants of of our of our species, Homo sapiens sapiens, in Europe, were dark skinned, and their hair began to get longer as an adaptation to the climate. The blue eyes began to appear because blue eyes see better, actually in the um, in in the mists, and a lot of other just surface uh, phenotypical adaptations to the environment. But the deep core, the deep core, enough has has remained the same for all of us. That is uh, that is rooted in that African uh, template, right? Now, I, I'm and I'm 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 fine with that. Now, where, where I have some um, interest in discussing further is the uh, the, the idea that uh, you know everything that uh, we know in the West or in the uh, in Europe and, and Asia and everything originally comes from Africa. I, I'm I'm not sure about about that premise, actually. But uh, yeah, tell us about I. that. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. I, uh, I think our fundamental things uh, definitely come from Africa. Our capacity for language uh, came with us as a species. Uh, our capacity to deal with tools, and what I've emphasized is our our deep primordial way of thinking. Our our, our ability to rationalize, to deduce to uh, experiment, to compare, and to uh, dream, uh, and and to imagine uh, the divine in all of its innumerable 
manifestations. That did begin with us when we were on our trek in Africa and then got uh, proceeded, and then we took that with us to all the different continents. But each, each, each variation of us added something to it, created something a little bit more, and it cross-fertilized with the rest of us. So that's, that's part of the, the mystery of evolution. That's part of the way that uh, it unfolds. It, 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 it expands, bifurcates, differentiates, comes back in, gets richer. That's, that's how we've progressed to where we are now. Right, excellent. I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, but you, you, in the book, you emphasize this, uh, you know, Egyptian, uh, Nubian, uh, Kemetic yeah. uh, legacy, yeah. right? That, uh, that the Greeks and the Europeans and, and even Indian civilization sort of took its lead from what, what was happening in the Nile Valley. Um, yeah. is, is that still your thinking? Yes, it is. And, and the reason for that is the archaeological data. Now, there are indications that there may have been a very high civilization even before that, but that's mostly a few uh, findings, archaeological findings in stone, not in bone, but in stone, uh, in various places of the earth. But the preponderance of evidence is that our, our current cycle of civilization uh, began uh, not... 3,000 or 4,000 years before Christ, but about 10,500 years before. Why? Because the Sphinx, the enigmatic Sphinx with the body of a lion and the head of a man, is looking into the vernal equinox in the constellation of Leo the Lion in 10,500 B.C. And that's what the ancient Kemetic Egyptians in their writing said that that's when their civilization began. And they called it the Zeptepi, uh, the splendid time of the first time. That's when they say their civilization began, not what later Egyptologists came in and said, what they said. And there, there's extensive archaeological evidence to suggest that, not only with the Sphinx, but also with the pyramids that were, of course, made of stone. So there's no way to exactly date uh, stone. Uh, but there is. Um, uh, other evidence, because uh, if you look at this, is something geologists discovered, not 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 uh, historians, but geologists. They discovered that around the Sphinx there are enormous water erosion marks. And that did not happen in an arid, dry climate of 3,000 years before uh, BCE, before the Common Era, before Christ. That was a, that was desert. Then. No, that happened when the Sahara was lush. And when was the Sahara lush? Around Eight to twelve thousand years ago, that's when the Sahara was lush, and it began to dry up after the last ice age. So uh, there's there's geological evidence and uh, and stone carved evidence in the Sphinx and the pyramids to indicate that that's when our current cycle of civilization arose. But again, there are tantalizing suggestions that there may have been a human civilization even higher and before that time that fell for reasons that we don't know. All of our mythologies around the world and all of our spiritual um, uh, um, uh, uh, legends point to some high civilization uh, in our ancient past that we fell from. So um, I'm only going for, from what we can clearly and definitely establish in terms of the bone fragments, 
and the uh, archaeological remains from uh, what we can dig up. So that's why I, I cycle the Egyptian-Nubian rise of our current cycle of civilization. Right. Well, if, if you go to India, you'll, you know, many Indians will say, no, their civilization is at least 10, 20,000 years old. And, you know, if you go to Varanasi, I think the, they, they've yeah. uh, done the research there that that city is probably one of the oldest cities on Earth, at least at least 10,000 years old. And, of course, yep. Yep. still the, the right. most holy city of the, of the Hindus today. So, you know, it's, that's not to dispute what you just said, but it, it may not be the only ancient civilization. And, and you're right, you know, the, the idea of the flood, right? It, it goes through all, um, yeah. all it, not yeah. say all, but many, many of the traditions, uh, yeah. certainly in the Middle yeah. East and, and, and the Africa of this great flood. And Native American and that, people, and Native American people right. also. Have yeah. that as I mean, well. There was, there was, and also this idea of Atlantis, right? Yes, well, there's cross-fertilization. There was so much cross-fertilization between uh, the Dravidian peoples, of uh, southern India and the uh, peoples of uh, of the Nile Valley, back and forth. There were trade routes, extensive trade routes, and the ideas went back and forth, back and forth. I've been to some of those uh, ancient uh, Indian cities, and uh, I've seen them, and, and uh, it seems to me that there's probably uh, a correlation and a cross-fertilization back and forth between those uh, two. I based mine primarily on the evolution of us as a species, because that we have genetic, seriological, anthropological, and archaeological evidence to support that uh, movement very strongly. And uh, right. the course of civilization, in many ways, paralleled our migration out of the motherland to the other places on the earth. Yeah, fascinating stuff, isn't it? And, um... No, it is. It's, it is totally fascinating to me. And, and the, also the the mythology around uh, Isis and Osiris, you know, the that whole uh, mythos, that cycle of mythology um, is fascinating because there's so many um, resemblances to, you know, other resurrection myths, you know, including, oh, of course, yeah. so and of course, Jesus, right? And um, yes, so, but yes. And, yep. and, and we see it in the Greek myths as well, uh, like Persephone yes. or whatever. Um, you know, this yeah. idea of death and rebirth, right? Yes, it's inevitable. I mean, uh, human beings, you know, we uh, we don't know exactly when, but, you know, we were obviously migrating around Africa um, for uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of years, and we, you know, and then we spread to the other continents and so on, and for thousands and thousands of years, we had the sense that there was something with human beings that we couldn't quite see. And then uh, we began to uh, sense that, uh, well, you know, uh, maybe it has something to do with our dreams, but how real of our dreams. I, this was, it was all a very, very archaic time in our thinking process. And then about uh, 20,000 years, 18 to 20,000 years before Christ, we uh, began to uh, do something really radical. This was the beginning of the Neolithic period. We began to not only migrate, but we began to settle. We began to settle in river valleys all over the earth, mostly because that's where not only was there water, but there was abundant food and other things. 
And we began to notice that when we harvested food and when we got rid of it, wherever we threw the leftovers, next year, next season, the same kind of food grew up. And we lived with that observation for thousands and thousands of years until it dawned on us very slowly that there's some kind of returning cycle in us about food, about the sky, about the stars. And then we began to sense maybe about us too. And that's when the ideas of, of, of uh, resurrection and uh, eternal life began to really become conscious in us as a species. And then somewhere around, probably just a little before the dynastic period in Egypt, beginning around uh, 3,500 to 4,000 years uh, ago, and that's a very conservative estimate, very conservative estimate, 3,500 BCE, um, a cult, a new religion arose in, in Egypt and in, in, in Nubia, and that was the cult of Osiris. And Osiris taught that the body of a human being was a sacred thing, not to be burned or left to rot, but had to be taken care of, because from it would emerge a new life that was a greater, brighter, more intense life and light than it was before. And that kick-started us onto our modern religions, whether it be in, in, in the Western religions of, of Judaism, Islam, Christianity, or the Eastern religions of, uh, of Taoism, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, and so on. But that idea of a, re- a returning cycle has now taken firm root in our species. And, um, you know, that is, that is the origin both of our science but also all of our deepest spirituality. And all of these, I have posited, are are part of the deep intrinsic operation of our collective unconscious, which is an African phenomenon. Well, of course, the the, the uniqueness of uh, the Egyptian was that they, um, you know, like you said, they they honored the body to such a degree that, you know, they, they went to enormous lengths, especially with their royalty, to to preserve the body, right? So we have all the, these right. mummies and whatnot. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in East Asia particularly, that that uh, that understanding did not prevail. You know, the um, right. the, the Hindu right. the Hindu way is is to cremate the body because the body is seen right. as useful in this lifetime. But you know, we are more than that. We are the the, the spirit that's distinct, right. not not separate, but. Uh, doesn't require a body. It will it, it will acquire one when it needs to. It doesn't have to preserve right. one now. Right. So th- that's right. that's quite a uh, quite a big difference there. That's a big 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 difference. That's how the in the eastern parts of our the world in the eastern part of our of our species sort of developed it in that direction. With the uh, in the western part with the Kemetic Egyptians, their thought was yes, there was an eternal spirit, but that that spirit after death would leave the body, be judged, learn much about itself spiritually and otherwise, and then it would come back to that body. And that's why it had to be preserved. That's what, because from it, it would emerge a new body, a new life, a new form. And so, you know, these are variations on a theme, big variations on a theme, but nevertheless, variations on a theme, but they both had an intuition of a of a luminous, transcendent energy field around the body. And, you know, if we, if we look at uh, the developments in quantum mechanics, 
relativity theory, they also talk about a luminous substructure to the universe, particularly in quantum mechanics. And, uh, that, and that light is a fundamental reality that we dwell in. You know, you know as well as I do that many of the uh, uh, spiritual phenomena, people throughout the world, and the different uh, expressions of spirituality agree upon is that the divine appears to us in light in various forms. And that fundamental reality of light underlies our consciousness. And I spent time uh, trying to explicate that in terms of neurology, uh, in terms of how the human brain works, because the human brain actually metabolizes, in an interesting sort of way, light. It absorbs light and transforms light into higher levels of expression. And that is rooted in our primordial template as, as a species. And that's what I meant by the, our African unconscious. Because we discovered the unconscious in ancient Egypt. We didn't had names for it. We called it the primeval waters of Nun and the all-black Amenta, or underworld. We discovered the unconscious in ancient Egypt. We learned how to deal with the conscious mind, obviously. And also in ancient Egypt and India, the super-conscious mind was first explored. And we're only beginning to do that in psychology now, but on a right. large scale. But yes, but but but, but yeah. right now, most people experience a superconscious in terms of states of religious ecstasy, scientific insights, moments of artistic supreme artistic creativity, and and other states like that. But it's real, and it's a superconscious state. And my bias, my intuition, is that is where we are slowly moving as a species is toward that superconscious awareness of what we are and who we are in the universe. And, it, you know, people who are into uh, transpersonal psychology and, and so, yeah. uh, subjects like that, you know, talking about the same thing you're talking about, right? And uh, that there's more going on than meets the eye, in other words. The, you know, right. We're wasting our lives right. if we're only seeing ourselves as uh, physical beings, you know, limited and... and uh, filled with all of the worries and hassles of existence. Certainly there's worries and hassles, but there's there's something else going on too that uh, interpenetrates right. everything, right. right? That's right. You're, you're definitely right on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our job is to make that more and more manifest and to bring that not only in the realm of, 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 of religion and spirituality, but it has a very clearly established uh, basis and core, but to also bring that on now into our expressions of science. We used to do that thousands of years ago. And then the last 500 years ago, uh, science, particularly in the Western world, has become very arrogant. And we've disparaged spirituality and religion. And we've made, we've made it seem like it's a secondary reality. And some people have even gotten to the point where they deny or doubt the reality of this part of our existence. That is how good the, the propaganda has been. And I, I think that we are beginning to move beyond that now. We're beginning to recognize that, you know, there's a lot more to us that can be seen, that, that is uh, not seen in the same sort of way that energy is, surrounds us that we don't see. Absolutely. And, and we would be that. totally... We don't have any problem with that. Well, why is that... Why is that not also the case with our innermost self? 
Right. Well, we'd be totally on board with that in unity because we we totally agree with uh, that that viewpoint. And uh, you know, there's always going to be uh, regressive uh, tendencies in humanity, right? When always. when something's trying to push through to a new level, there's there's always people who are going to deny that, you know. And uh, we have the old argument, you know, did consciousness arise uh, you know in, in biological terms or, or is it self-existent so obviously you you are believe, a believer in its self-existence that that it, it it predates the body um but others think no you know consciousness is just part of our evolution right um yeah. and and we are just basically physical beings right and i i did not accept that in the and and um there are also clear scientific, underline the word medical and scientific uh, instances and examples by the thousands that that is not the case. Uh, we already know, we already know that uh, a, a human being, a fetus human being, for some period of time is conscious before it's born. We know that. You don't just get born one day in the operating room and all of a sudden, boom, you're conscious. No. You're conscious for some period of time before that in your mother's womb during embryogenesis. We also know from uh, near-death experiences by the hundreds of thousands documented now by medical practitioners that the death of the physical body is not the end immediately of consciousness because people have been medically revived in one form or another and they recall conscious experiences. And this includes when the brain has been flatlined, by the way, for all people listening, when the brain has been flatlined. So the consciousness exists prior to birth, and consciousness exists in some form for a while after physical death. How far that is, we don't know. But it suggests to me very much so, as many quantum mechanics physicists are now suggesting, that consciousness is an inherent part of the physical world is embedded in the physical world, is causal in the physical world, and many are now coming around to the position, is prior to and deeper than the physical world. It is information and intelligence that is primary. Matter is secondary to information and consciousness. Folks, I'm with Edward Bruce Bynum, and we're talking about his book, Our African Unconscious. Black Origins of Mysticism Psychology. We're at the break. Um, listen to these messages from Unity. And then we, when we come back, I, I'm going to ask Edward a hard question and see how he responds. Join us in a minute. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Edward Bruce Bynum, PhD. One of his latest books is Our African Unconscious, The Black Origins of Mysticism and Psychology. And here comes the hard question, Edward, okay? Um, Okay. Is it anachronistic to, to use the term the black origins? Because if we're talking about, you know, ancient times and ancient peoples, you know, when we say black or white, we, we have connotations that are real in, in our modern world, but maybe don't make full scientific sense in ancient times, you know, because there's, there's a big uh, controversy right now around, um, you know, ancient Egypt. And, and some people say all the people there were black and and then a number of scientists say, no, you can't call them black or white. They were what they were. And there was a whole range of uh, gradations, you know, of color and that they didn't see things in those ways. So is it the is it too Africa centric to call them to call it black origins? Well, two things. Uh, one one uh, with the case of ancient Egypt, um, uh, ancient Egypt was a a really in its later years, not in the early years, but in its later years, really a melting area of the peoples of the Mediterranean and the Semitic peoples coming from the Arabia, from Arabia and the Middle East in its later era. Um, in its earlier era, uh, we're talking about four, five, six thousand BCE, it was made up of the indigenous people coming from the central Africa and those from the western Sahara parts of Africa. And so in many ways, it was more of an indigenous at black African creation in its early stages. And then later on, it became more of an amalgam of peoples from all over the earth. So in that sense, when we say, quote, black, unquote, that's what I'm talking about. But I'm also, I want to emphasize to readers and here listeners, even more so than that, even more so than that than surface, there is a phenomenon of the human nervous system, our human nervous system, in which uh, uh, certain uh, neurological and biological phenomena happen that absorb light. Let me be very specific and very uh, 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 tight about this. When we're developing in our mother's womb, in a process called embryogenesis, it is guided by a particularly... Uh, unusual uh, fiber of of uh, cells that are myelinated. They're black, and what they do is they absorb light, and they transduce that light embry- embryogenesis into our organ systems, our spinal line, our neural crest, and so on. And it is is dark, and it absorbs quanta or light, and it transduces it to higher states, and it becomes the foundation of not only our organs and so forth, but in particular our spine and our nervous systems, our hemispheres of our brain, our brain core, limbic system, uh, cerebral cortexes, all those particular forms are guided by what's called neuromelanin, not skin melanin. That's what you're talking about in terms of color, black, white, brown, and so on and so forth. It's not that. It's, it's black and it's dark and it absorbs light. So that is the deeper realer origin of mysticism, which is why you, 
you know, it doesn't matter whether you come from Africa or you come from Asia or you come from uh, 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 Spain or you come from uh, Russia. That is, we all have that in our nervous system because we all come out of the same place. That is a neurobiological phenomenon, and that is a deeper origin for us as a species, regardless of, of, of surface ethnicity. For us as a species, it's the origin of our spirituality, our capacity to literally, literally absorb quanta or light from the universe, from the cosmos, and transduce that in an intelligent way to higher expressions of order and expression and luminosity in the universe. That is the black origin of mysticism. Mysticism. That is it. All right. Well, I can I can totally go along with that, and that's fascinating information, and uh, opens up uh, it up to a much more universalist approach, oh, absolutely. right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, one thing, I mean, one it would, do no, it would do no good. To, it would do no good to repeat the mistakes of the past. Yes. One caveat I do want to put in here, and, and that is that, um, you know, we we are, in fact, when you're the best, well, I enjoyed it the most anyway, uh, but what, a wonderful chapter in the book uh, was uh, chapter eight, the, the present confrontation in the yes. Americas, um, because, you know, it's very apropos to what's happening now on the ground. And, uh, right. you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I grew up in, the, uh, in Britain in the 50s and 60s. And uh, I remember my education was sadly lacking in some regards. You know, it was wonderful in others. Um, but I remember the only thing we learned about Africa was, you know, it was the dark continent, right? It was, uh, and we learned all right. about the post, post-colonial um, breakdown of the empires, etc. We learned very little about, uh, well, we did learn a, a little bit about Egypt, but but we certainly didn't learn much about uh, West African spiritualities, which you talk about in the book. Uh, we didn't learn much about um, all the things that you're trying to put over today. And, and I think the, all the things that, you know, as activists are trying to point out, you know, to break away from this um, Western uh, white-centered view of the world, right? The Western Europe, uh, uh, an American view, um, and and we've got we, white America, I should say. Uh, you know, we've got to get beyond that because there's a whole variety, there's a whole uh, magnificence here that's uh, being denied otherwise. So I, I I want to put that out that I'm I'm a big advocate for that, uh, and I, re- I recognize my own sad lack of understanding when I was younger. You know, I'm, I'm glad I've expanded beyond that my concern though is that we you know use it for political purposes and 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 say you know and, and go overboard on the other extreme you know that everything right. is black or whatever right um, you know we not, want to celebrate everybody okay. right we want to right. celebrate everybody we want to celebrate everybody and the way one of the ways of doing that is to realize what are our deepest commonalities what are our deepest yes. commonalities genetically, spiritually, anthropologically, and otherwise? And those are our, our template, our core things, our, our, our basic humanity. Because it was in Africa that our, us as a species learned how to live in families. We learned how to create scripts. We learned how to literally think. And that that is a that is a trans uh, uh, that is throughout our species. 
Our, our surface differences are that just that, surface differences. But in the ocean of who we are, all our deep currents, all the laws, and we have our politicians and others who, for their own purposes, exploit that. I understand it. It's a, it's a malignant aspect of us as a species because we are, in many ways, a species at war with itself. But we are one species. And at this particular critical time, at this particular critical time in our history, we must begin to pull ourselves together. We are facing crises ecologically that cannot be solved by any one particular group of people. I don't care how many tanks, guns, nuclear weapons, how much money you have. You can't. We need all of us to participate in that. And the right. other is that for the first time in our known history, for the first time in our known history, we are beginning to take our first serious steps off the planet. The, the early age of space exploration just for the military and for government is coming to a slow end. It is now beginning to be a, a commercial exploration of space. And God knows what we'll find out there. So we have to have our own house in order. We have to have our own house in order. Otherwise, it might get complicated, you know? So Absolutely. this is another reason for us to turn and recognize our primordial identity. Our shared identity is that uh, African rootedness in all of us. And I realize that that's difficult for a lot of people just for the political uh, reasons that Africa has had in the mind of the collective mind for the last three centuries. I fully realize that. But I'm saying that that's too expensive. That tax that we're paying on that imagery is much more expensive now than it's ever been before. And it's only going to get more expensive. So we have to let the deeper part of us, the common spiritual currents that link us all together as a people that allow us to do science, philosophy, the arts, all of that to come together so that we can heal ourselves. And not just because it's a nice thing to do. Our very survival now is going to turn on that. I agree with you completely. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to suggest to people again, you know, if you read this book, folks, you're going to enjoy a lot of this. It's fascinating information. But like I said, I thought the most apropos in terms of where we are right now in modern day America is uh, is that chapter eight, the present confrontation in the Americas. Yeah. And you, yeah. you have a you call it an uneasy truce. And I, I like that, you know, because. We sort of have, have made progress and then we sort of haven't, right? And we have this uneasy truce between uh, black and white, right. between, you know, regressive attitudes and progressive attitudes. And, and we're at a complex, as you say, we're at a complex time. Um, and, and goodness knows how we're going to get through it. And, uh, it. But the only way, of course, the ultimate only way is what you're talking about, right? Is unitive consciousness right. is uh, moving it into another dimensional reality altogether yes. rather yes. than, you know, right. doing the same thing over and over again. Yes, you're right. It's a unity consciousness. And whenever there's unity consciousness, you, in order to gain something much more magnificent, we have to let certain things go. We have to let certain minor aspects of us go. In order to have a profound experience of, of the radiant divine, we have to let our ego go, right? We have to. 
Easier said than done, isn't it? Huh? Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But yet we all real we all realize that. We realize that in the midst of deep prayer. We all realize that in deep meditation. Uh, God knows we realize that um, in uh, when we're falling in love. We have to let our traditional ego go, and when we love something greater than ourselves, we have to let some part of us go in order to achieve a greater and deeper union. And I'm simply suggesting that uh, our, the recognition of our deeper, more embracing African template that all of us share, you, I, and all everybody who's listening right now, even though there's some slight discomfort occasionally in some areas for, for conditioned reasons around imagery and so forth of the African image in, in the modern world, that right, left, whatever, but it's full of intensity and conflict. But deeper down, it's a soothing image. It's a soothing image because it means that we're all coming from the same place. We're all coming from the same great family, the same great species, and I believe, I believe, share the same great destiny. Because I'm a big advocate of, uh, you know, using techniques to move us beyond ego, and and dance and music are, are one of those, two of those yeah. techniques that we can use because they short circuit the intellect, don't they, and go straight yes, into the do. body, into the heart. And and you have that an is- appendix. We have a partial list of uh, uh, of dances, right, that originate in the African American tradition. Yes. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think about jazz. I think about rock and roll. Both of those wonderful uh, exam- examples of creativity, we know, would not exist uh, except for the, the the black origins of those. And um, yes. so the the legacy is is incredible, right? And then everybody enjoys that, you know, whether you're everybody, whatever everybody, race you're everybody can enjoy that. Everybody, that's it's not owned by anybody, and it's spread all right. up and down, not only the United States but also in the Caribbean and all of South America. But you're right about that. You're right about that. The dance, rhythm, and engagement with it has the capacity to bring us into an ecstatic state in which our own individual ego is at least briefly transcended into a greater state. That is the real origin of what we think of as, quote, possession, unquote, which is badly, badly, badly misunderstood and demonized, unfortunately, in the West. But the same phenomenon was true for the ancient Greeks and their ancient uh, Dionysian rites that they practiced in Samothrace hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. The initiate would become absorbed in the music and uh, their own ego would be transcended and they would have a conscious union with the divinity at that particular time. These were the ancient Greeks that did this, okay? Absolutely. And that tradition has died out. But that tradition is very, very, very much alive today throughout Africa, and it has come to the Americas via the West Africans and during primarily the slave trade and the metamorphosis of things that occurred after that. That is the common inheritance of all human beings now. That is all around the earth now. You can go to India and people are doing it. You know, you can do you can do that in, in, in Prague, Budapest. You can do that in Mexico City. Okay? So that is how that has enriched everybody on the planet. And that is what I foresee and hope for our future. 
Yes, very good. Well, and you mentioned earlier the the idea of light, you know, being uh, this uh, unifying force throughout uh, m- well most spiritualities, but also throughout the universe. I mean, we're now yeah. we're, we're coming back to quantum physics again, and and the uh, you know the 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 particle and the wave, you know, have their existence in light basically. Um, but yeah, it is a do. commonality. Uh, I've just written a book on uh, unity and world religions, and I have a section in there on on light. And, uh, you know, you're right. You know, it, there's so much evidence of it in in, in every single religion. Um, yes. And, it, yes. And, and raising up the light, you know, uh, bringing the light. Um, if, you quote Jesus saying, you know, if your eye be single, your body will be filled with light, you know. And, yes. and that, that's, that could be interpreted on many different levels, but it's certainly a unity of consciousness, bringing your bifurcated viewpoint together as one, you know, you, then you start to shine, yeah? Um, when you right. remember that we're not separated, but we are one, then then uh, your body, your, your experience, your life experience is filled is filled with light, and that's powerful. And I know you're a practitioner of Kundalini Yoga, which is, again, bring that serpent power, that energy, the, which could be interpreted as light energy, bringing that up into uh, the bo- through the body into the top of the head, you know, making connection with the with the yeah. all-powerful light of the uh, of spirituality, right? So we're yes. we're fully yes. integrated. Yes, yes, absolutely, and absolutely. And when you're quoting the the uh, uh, Jesus the Christ, you're 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 talking about not only a philosophical position that he enunciated, but you're also talking about a methodology. You're talking about a methodology, you know, of being able to raise that energy from the base all the way to the top and and beyond. Be ye wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be ye wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. You know, when the when the eye is single, the body is full of light. That's a methodology for focusing the mind to a still point. And when the mind is at a still point, the light fills the whole body, and you have the experience of radiance. It transcends your conception of yourself into a vaster, more expansive whole. And so it's not only a philosophical position, it is a methodology. I want your listeners to hear that. Jesus was not only a great liberator, he was a phenomenal psychologist. A phenomenal and this is the, psychologist. Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, so often we've turned it into um, something else, right? A theological system or a moral system instead of understanding that he had these uh, deep techniques and, and spiritual psychologies yes. to, to yes, help us did. get there. You know? And um, if you study Buddhism, for instance, that tradition is, is very thorough wow. in its spiritual psychology. But we, I think Jesus had the same, uh, but he just never got it written down in the same way. So we, we have to read with, we, we have to finally read through the gospels to get to, to that right. methodology. But, I'm glad you yeah, quoted me- that uh, wise as serpents because that's one of my favorite quotes of uh, yeah. Jesus. And, and and if you notice, uh, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That is a physical description of the process that we see symbolically represented in something that's common to everybody that's listening. That's the medical caduceus. Every time you go to a physician's office, 
you are paying homage to the ancient tradition that began in Kemetic Egypt of uh, going to uh, a person who was both a priest and a philosopher and healer. That, that, that pole that has seven, uh, uh, two serpents twining seven times around it until it reaches the top, that is about two wise serpents crisscrossing the chakras of the body until it reaches to the top of the head. And when those two wise serpents reach all the way to the top of the head, what do they do? They transform, they sprout wings, and they fly. There it is. It is right in front of our face. Right in front of our face. We are paying homage to that ancient spiritual tradition, which the later Greeks picked up and the Romans picked up and spread is all around the world. But that's where it comes from. Right up that spinal line with the uh, uh, nerves of energy crisscrossing seven times until it reaches the top. And when it does, and it fulfills itself in the higher reaches of the brain, the spirit within the body takes flight and flies with wings. Isn't that a beautiful, um, beautiful symbology, isn't that? Gorgeous. Yes, it is. Right there in front of our faces, not hidden. <laughs> it's and not and this, is within, this is within us all, folks. This is, this is us, our own spines we're talking about, our own thousand-petal right. lotus at the top of our head, you know. That, that's that's right. the connection to the divine and uh, that flow through us. In fact, even the fundamentalist Christians uh, talk about it because they talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit rising right. up the, you know, through their spines right. again. Uh, so they're, right. they're in is. touch with it as well. They may not think they are, but, uh, but that's yes, the, same, the same energies we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. And, and, and many of the traditions of West Africa uh, do that specifically today. Many of the traditions of the Kalahari uh, San or Bush people in South Africa do that to the very day, this very day. People in southern India, the Dravidian peoples, and all those associated with it. So it's a very alive. It's not a theoretical notion. It has a theory behind it, certainly, but it is primarily a lived experience. And that is what the emphasis on our African unconscious is about. Yes, there's a lot of, 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 of information on medicine and psychology and um, um, uh, the brain and the roots of this phenomenon of light arising in the brain based upon that. I've tried to be very specific about that, but I wanted to emphasize this is primarily a living phenomena, a living tradition. It's not abstracted, dead, somewhere off over there in the other part of the universe. No, it's very alive. It's as alive as our next breath. That's how close it is. And I would say to people who aren't really into doing this, saying, oh, it's too complicated to get into my chakras and raising my energies, I would say, suggest to people, just keep your, your spine straight uh, and your feet on the ground and uh, your eyes are open to possibility and, and it will do its own work in you, right? That it's, that, it's not difficult. Right. It's not like we have to learn all these techniques. We just have to come back to being comfortable within our, within ourselves. Right. A lot of it is centered in the solar plexus too. You know, the many yeah. systems talk about getting balanced in that solar plexus region. And uh, when you feel that center of gravity there, 
everything else seems to open up for you. And um, so, uh, you know, just do some simple things. Don't, don't think you have to take on a whole new system here. No, uh, just don't. be kind you to don't. yourself. But keeping your back straight, yeah. I think, is huge. Yes, it's huge. It's the, key to, realizing... oh, it's the key to staying well when you get older, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And people should remember that the life force is an intelligent energy. It's intelligent. It's intelligent. So you don't have yes. to, like, control it. All you yes. have to do is, is prepare yourself and be clear, and it will work itself through you. And, you know, depending on what your religious orientation is, you may call it this, you may call it that. But underneath it, mysticism, whether it be in Judaism, Jainism, uh, uh, Hinduism, Christianity, Islam, it is the same phenomena. That is what I'm trying to say. It is the same Amen. underneath phenomena in human beings. It's the same energy. It's the same energy. And it has, let me tell it people has a physiological structure and a blueprint. Let me tell everybody about next week's show, and then we'll have our final word from from Edward. Uh, next week, yoga, this is a nice tie-in. Uh, yoga and meditation teacher Corrie Hahn joins me. She's going to talk about her new book, uh, Rituals of the Soul, using the eight ancient um, principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. So that's a nice tie-in there. Uh, join me for that next week. Uh, so we've got a minute left. Uh, close or no, we don't. 30 seconds left. Uh, closing thoughts, Edward. What would you like to share? Well, I'd like to say something very simple, that we all come from the same place, that we all make the same phenomenal journey out of our mother's womb, fought with all of its uh, changes and contours. We beat ourselves on this life, and we go through this life, and we have a deep intuition that there is a luminous reality beyond our physical life. And Amen. Those are the things that we that we struggle about, and those are the things that we're willing to die for. All right. Here's the sound cue. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 